Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your hosts, Alex Gore and Lance Hey, Lance Keiko. How's it going? Lance Keiko. <laughs> Mr. Keiko. That's your day. It's going well, except, uh, well, I would like to thank you, of course, for the global warming, Al Gore. It's been, a, it's been a balmy past 30 days. We would be placing foundation walls today had it been not been for this rain that we're getting. So we're getting some precipitation, but uh, no it worries. It be good besides that. Yep. Yep. Um, well, cool. Hey, Speaking of something totally different from what you were talking about, <laughs> a, a, a guy, a, a client emailed me, potential client. Yep. Came in and we're talking about stuff. And basically, if we get this project, we'll take over from another architect. And he felt like he was being overcharged a little bit, and especially on rendering. So it was two grand a rendering. And I held my mouth shut. I go, that's not too bad, especially for an outdoor, especially for what we do. Like, I'm looking around our so room. He, sorry, he was complaining. Yes, he yep. wasn't happy with that price. Yeah. Yep. Um, but so I go, what, you know, what level of quality? And I looked at him, the renderings were okay. It was like that sketch up with putting some trees in it. I was, so I was like, we would do a way better job for that amount of price. But I, I, I didn't say anything like that. I go, well, what we have, um, he, I go, have you heard of Enscape? And obviously no. So I showed him the fly through of Firestone, which is on our podcast website for all, all you people. And he's like, oh yeah, that's amazing. That's great. I think he was so excited. I go, we can just, this is, this is easy. We can just hit print screen. It, it's awesome. So he was very excited about that. We literally solved a major problem and I was able to test that these level of renderings are good enough for what he's looking for. So it will cost us like no amount of money for what was a huge problem with another architecture firm. Yeah. So, so if if you're listening to this, (laughs) yeah. And you are in our kind of position where you are trying to convince clients um, and fulfill their needs with renderings. You are doing your, yourself, yourself and your firm a disservice if you don't go to Enscape3D.com yep. and at least try the free trial. Well, what you can do, try the free trial, make some renderings, some fly-throughs of whatever project you already have, and then save that document and then present it to a potential client so that you already have it paid for. You don't even have to buy it. Once you get a client that loves that stuff, there you go. Buy the subscription, all that. But in the meantime, do the free trial, a project you already have, mess around, save some videos, save some images. Done. There you go. You have you heard it first. Actually, you've heard it several times now. Yeah. Yeah. Next, BimSmith. BimSmith.com. I wish we had like sound effects. For these guys, we could do that. Yeah, because they have a project called a product called Forge, which is awesome. So instead of you know trying to make a wall system or a ceiling system and grabbing a whole bunch of manufacturer information and and doing your own Frankenstein wall of you putting it together and trying to make sure everything's right, you can just go to their website and you can literally choose all those manufacturers a UL number. It'll put it all together. It'll make a spec for you. It's absolutely brilliant. So go do that while, while you're listening to us and doing exactly what we say. <laughs> go do that also. Yeah, bimsmith.com. Dot com. Rock and roll, Al. It's been a week. 
We're doing stuff. I got some questions for you. I got some answers. Maybe. I hope you I, do. I said that very confidently. Uh, yep. I've got some questions for you. So a couple of these questions came up in the Entree Architect community, and I thought, um, I thought they were, I thought they were just, they were so, they were fundamental. There are questions about just fundamentally how to, how to, how to, how to achieve success, right? And how do people do it? Like they were so, they were so fundamental to me that I thought, man, we should, we should recap. We should recap because we've sort of answered these questions before on the podcast, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it here and we're going to have Al kind of kick it off. So one of the questions was how to turn an architecture, how to turn architecture into a lucrative business model. Does anyone have a clue? No clue. (laughs) (laughs) One first have the actual skills, right? Let's start at the foundations. Then be able to market yourself. And that's through connections. That's through, hey, you might pay for Google ads. It's crazy. You might do it. You might put yourself on Thumbtack. You might start some sort of marketing thing so that people can come know about you and then know that you have a skill. Translate that skill and how it's going to be valuable to the client, right? It's going to uh, be easier for you to go through the building process. You're going to visualize what you want. Um, I have expertise in the area that, that you're looking for, what, whatever that may be. And then you have to be efficient. So if you convince them that you have value, you have to be efficient. Hey, architects, there's this thing called timers. Get one. Time what you're doing. So when you bid on it and then you can look at the end, was I within my allotted time or not? Because maybe you're charging 125 an hour you know, on paper, but you spend four times as much on that project. So really... You know, you're spending. And that's called the feedback loop, right? Closing that feedback loop, tightening it up. Yep, tightening it up. Then, if you haven't done this already, make systems, make templates, make training for when you're, you know, um, when you're bringing people on board so that they can work quicker, gain more knowledge, increase that feedback loop, create more value for the client. It's, I, I'm, I'm kind of spitballing here, but I'm feeling like well, this how, is coming together. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's here's one thing. Here's one thing that that I think would be helpful for everybody listening, um, even if they're especially if they're a new listener, right? How? Why do you think a lot of architects end up blowing the budgets that they've set for themselves? So it's kind of a two part. Why do they, Why do they end up blowing the budgets that they've that they've given themselves for whatever design work they're doing? Um, is it because they, first of all, do you think have not given themselves enough time or do you think it's because they just get, they fall too much in love with, with the design process and don't, and, and become too much artists and not enough business? Absolutely both. Okay. Absolutely both. Because sometimes the market is competitive. How, do, okay. Then how would you, is, let's say you're working for an, a firm and you were like, you're like, ah, I'm just, I'm thinking about jumping ship. I'm thinking about branching off on my own. Yeah. Um, or, or just from scratch, you you know you're you're ready to do it. I don't know for whatever reason. If you've never bid on a project before, what advice would you give somebody to? Let's say somebody somebody comes to you. They say, "Hey, I want a master a master suite edition, one story off the back of my house. How much is this going to cost me? Like, yeah. uh, how how do you start bidding that? How do you start understanding what you should charge for something like that? Yeah. First, you get um, you go to your child's room. You grab all of his numbers that are magnetized, and then you throw them at the wall and see what sticks up. Right? That's wow. the first way. The second way <laughs> is that you break it. That down. doesn't sound like a very accurate way. <laughs> well, there's two ways. You choose. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm just here to give you options. Yeah. Options. Options. For everybody listening, I would not recommend number one. Yeah, I'm kind of even before Alex has said number two. I'm thinking eh, yeah. number two is probably the way to go. The second is you could maybe break it down into into phases that you know. 
schematic design, design development, CD, maybe construction administration, and then literally put the task and the deliverables in each one of those phases and say, how much time do I think it will take me to do that task and to deliver that? Put that in hours, times it by whatever your hourly rate is, add them up together. Do you like that look? I love either that. One. How do you either de- one. How do you decide what your hourly rate should be? Well, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you, these were so fundamental. Yeah. I feel like if people, if people uh, our age and older who are, are serious professionals, what, uh, professionals who know what they're doing, they're licensed and everything, yeah. are still asking these questions, maybe they need to be reiterated. So how do you figure out yeah. how much you should charge per hour? Uh, you could ask the uh, Entree Architect community, just ask them what their rate is. <laughs> and people have, oh, multiple times, people have yeah. said, here's what I'm charging. So you could search Entree Architect community. Yep. There's a search thing on the left. You could ask people that you know, you know, in the real world, or honestly, you could call architecture firms. This sounds crazy. Or email them and say, I, I know this sounds, you could, you could be upfront and honest and say, hey, I'm architecture firm. You know, maybe they won't give you your rates then. Maybe they will. I, I'd be like, okay, I guess they're the, you know, they're going to find out somehow. Or you could say, um, hey, I'm thinking about a project. Uh, I'm just examining, you know, where I need my, my bids. I have no idea. The first thing I want to get a handle on are hourly rates. What are your hourly rates? Yep. So after you find out, let's say somebody says, hey, yeah, our hourly rate for drafting is $75 an hour. Million. Which seems like a lot, right? Maybe to somebody. Um, but then how does that break down, Al? So let's say we're charging $75 an hour. How much should you pay yourself then based on that $75 an hour, right? Like a little reverse engineering. One third. One third, right? Yeah. Rule of thumb is if you're paying yourself $25 an hour, you should be charging two to three times and ideally three times that rate that you're paying yourself. So if you're paying yourself 25 bucks an hour, ideally you want to be you want to be charging out $75 an hour. That covers your overhead. That covers your insurance. That yeah. helps with your profitability, right? Yeah. What's a, what's a, what's a, well, good, what's a good figure for people to be profiting per year, like percentage wise? Like, do you know, is there, is there, is there a number of six in your head? I'd say yeah. 10 to 20% is what you want to be yeah. as for profit, your gross revenue yep. minus your net. And that difference should be 10 to 20%. I, I agree. Um, the other thing I was going to say about that, but do know, Okay, if you're charging three times more, that's because, hey, some of the marketing time, some of the initial meetings are not being billed for, all of that. Organization, you have to deal with the, the tax man more. You maybe have to set up an LLC, you know, like having a business, you have to... Anyways, that's different. Just know this, like, let's say you have to be somewhat flexible and realistic. Let's say that you are... Um, you. Let's say you know F9 and you go, okay... Uh, you, do you guys have some work? Yeah, we have some work. What can we pay you? We're not going to pay you $75 an hour because we are getting the work for you. We're managing the work. You literally taking have to risk. do it, d- taking, taking the risk. Then it's closer to more or exactly like your 25 an hour, your 30, your 50. And some people have like a, a huge you know problem with that. And it depends too on the situation, right? So sometimes you can charge your full hourly rate, your 75. And that, that can happen where like, okay, they... They are managing, they're taking more responsibility, stuff like that. But sometimes it's just like, hey, here are red lines. Can you do in your uh, moonlight? You know, So you, you do have to be a little bit aware of that and not so pig-headed because uh, you, you might go down the loop of, hey, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm not getting anywhere. Why am I not getting anywhere? It's like because you don't have nuance, have a little nuance. Yep, yep. 
the uh, the other thing uh, the other thing I would uh, add here is <clears throat> so the second the second part of this question was does anyone ha- does anyone or does anyone have a have a clue? So I think um, y- there's a lot of unknowns that you're going to occur right? that you're going to incur once you start doing stuff on your own like this and and one of them is like well how do I how do I know what to pay people? Just last week, somebody asked the question, hey, what are you paying interns these days? And there were two brackets, basically, that people gave out in the Ontario Architect community. I would encourage everybody to go, go go, ask those kind of questions. That's the idea is that we're finally opening up again as a profession. And then and then the, the, the last caveat I would add to this specific question about making a lucrative business model is if you haven't done this already, and I bring this, I bring this up, I bet, at least once or twice a year, is Google Marshmallow Study NPR. And go and there's there's I just googled it. I looked up. There was like uh, four. There's six, five, six articles right away. Listen, uh, this was it was actually like a segment that they did, and then an article too. Listen to that segment. Read the article. It is is a fascinating study about. uh, They had all these kids line up in in this room, and they did a scientific study on them, and they said they put a marshmallow in front of them. And they did this. uh, They they tested these children when they were like under seven or something like that. And then they went and checked up and followed on them later, uh, like, later on in life. Like 10 years later? Yeah. So in middle school and in high school, 20 years later, and then 30 years later, long term. Yep. I, th- I, I, I don't know if Al fi- figured, it doesn't matter who, who found this study first, but once I know Al and I had this discussion a long time ago when we first started F9, and this is one of the things that helped us make this decision, and that is to keep our salaries lower than usual. So the idea is... The, the, what they found out was the children who ha, who did not eat the marshmallow right away, the kids who held out the longest, then were able were ha, were the most successful later on in life because they could delay gratification. So what I'm getting at is here is if you are in the if you are in a position like we are and you you you're starting a firm, you own a firm, are starting a business, <clears throat> the longer you can delay your gratification of making six figures. If you keep your fig, if you keep your salary to a just a livable wage, and you use that profit to invest in other adventures like building a tiny house, like we did, then getting on HGTV, then rolling that into building two more tiny houses for a Fortune 500 company, uh, getting the taking the profit from that, and then putting that towards uh, a piece of land that we bought, and now we're now we're doing development. The now the gratification from the marshmallow for us, for Alex and I is huge and it will pay off massive dividends and allow us to once again leapfrog one more time because we've delayed that gratification from that far. So I think that's one of the things that is missed by when people ask these kind of questions and, and start thinking about and, and, and then start complaining about like how architects never make money. Well, maybe it's because we all need to, if we really want to make a, a significant amount of money, kind of like Jonathan Segal is doing. Do you see the 32, 32 floor skyscraper he's proposing now? Like this yeah. guy's doing it all yeah. because he delayed gratification. Yeah. So if you can delay that gratification and live below that six figure mark for several years and take all that extra money, put it towards land, put it towards development, delay that, that's where I think it comes into play. Okay. Awesome. Second, second question is, and Al, I think you're. I would put you in this. I would put both of us in this category. People know who we are regionally, right? And like, we run a podcast. We have we have five. We have you know a fair amount of listeners now. We have sponsors and all that. People know who we are. We're published, right? Yep. How did famous? How did famous architects become famous? Is it's hard enough just to find the projects? How, how so? 
and I want, I'm asking you in this framework of this question, uh, this, this question is, old school architects who got famous and new school ones. Yeah. What's, you know, because old school I don't think is there anymore. Maybe there's a few people that still do it that way. How do you do it now? How do you get recognized? How do you... Because fame is good if you can control it, I think. Yeah. It, it, it gives you credibility for sure. Yeah. First of all, I want to touch on on the, the fundamentals too because I think where you're going and, and we'll have this discussion is, okay, there's some sort of idea or way you can point yourself or a system, right? But let's go back to the philosophy. Are you actually extremely good? You have to be extremely good. And were you extremely good starting from college, right? And then were you even good, you know, even before that? Did you have some sort of talent, anything like that, right? Or just drive. Maybe you just had drive. Drive exactly, right? Then then no. How did famous people come famous? They think like, okay, it's a, it was this one person and they they did everything. Very very true. Very true. Like they actually worked and got the right combination to the lock in that specific time frame in that specific location for that specific clientele and that specific media environment too, okay? Here's the second thing. Those were a lot of just little things right there, and you're going to hit on even more. There are thousands of people, maybe not trying to be famous, but are talented, are good, are doing the right things, are meeting whoever they can, and it wasn't, it, it, it might have just happened that one or two of those people or 10 or however many famous architects they are, are the ones that punch through for, for whatever reason. But just know there's a thousand of them that aren't there. Just like NFL Q, QBs. Everyone that's drafted as a QB is extremely talented, had the best coaches, had a, a, amazing seasons, these played are, on these great... Are, these are top... These are 1%. This is like 1%, yep. you know? Yep. Got trained in off-seasons, by camps, by whatever, uh, played for amazing high schools, and how many... NFL QBs are famous and elite. Not you know, many. Uh, Not many. Right? If, uh, the, the percentage is just like astoundingly low. I mean, you're talking about a fraction of a, of a percent. A fraction yeah. of a percent. And, and think of the difference between like if you're a football player, uh, Kurt Cousins and uh, Brady. It might be like point zero one. You know, point, you know, whatever in decision making and quickness and in whatever. Yet one has championships and he's on that team and he got drafted by that one, you know, uh, by Belichick. So there's going to be some sort of answer, but then there's going to be, if you don't get famous, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let it ruin your, your well, day. Some people were asking, <laughs> some people were asking in, in that, in that thread, some people were asking, why, why would you want to be famous? Why would you want to be famous? No, I didn't see that. Because the, the, and that's what that's that's why I made the point about if you can control it, it's good for you. If you can't, it's it could go really so, it could go south in a in a really bad way, which is actually going to bring me to oh, my yeah. yeah, which is actually going to bring me to um uh, uh the next segment once we get to it. Oh. Of, of maybe you don't want to be famous. Maybe you don't want to be in the paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, uh let, let's say you wanted to make that goal. You want to be famous, you want even to, if it's just regionally. You know what I mean. Even if like you want to be known as John Renfro. I went up to met up a client yesterday, and I saw his. So John Renfro is is a regionally famous uh, building designer down here. He yep. does awesome architecture stuff, right? But people know who he is. Yeah. Like you Google architect Fort Collins, 
John Renfro. So yeah. Even at that level, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you, where do you start? What do you do? Well, you know, the confidence, you know, doing the right thing, stuff like that. Um, a lot of people would say focus on one particular thing, get that done. What, what I would say and Lance would say is that it, it hinges a lot on the clients that you get. There's a relationship between what you can do and what the clients will pay for you to do. Or they so, want you to do, yeah. Yep. So one, that's huge. How do you get that? And if, you, if you're getting that, then great. You've met those people. You have the connections, family connections, opera connections, whatever you do, and it's all gelling for you, and it might be smoother sailing, right? But sometimes you don't have those connections. Sometimes you move from a different state. <laughs> you, know, you, you know no one. My thing would be the, I, what I learned from Leapskin. You do one project at least a year, one. That you really, really love, that you want to do, that you think is super cool, and then you put it out to the media or you make your own media. There's no reason why you shouldn't have your own press release. Like everybody thinks there's this magic to getting in the press. It's literally you're already you're already halfway there as an architect. You can already visualize and make things literally out of thin air. You you have all of these beautiful, amazing talents. So if you already have the fundamentals, like Alex was saying, what's stopping you from running your own social media like a professional? Yep. Having maybe it's a posting schedule. You just make sure all the graphics are nice and tight and everything, and then doing your own press releases, contacting all the papers. I, it's 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 a layup. And and here's one thing I'd say too. Like, let's say you want to be famous for doing super cool houses in California. Or let's just say you don't care about the fame. You just want to do super cool houses in California yeah. or Denver. It doesn't matter, right? What's stopping you from in your own time actually designing and doing it, right? Time, effort, stuff like that. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. But you make time, right? It's your life. Make time. Um, there was one project I saw. Super cool house in Beverly Hills. Like just the most awesomest thing. So like I had to go to their website because it was built. It was just insane. Blow your mind. Lance's mind has exploded all over the place. And then three quarters or more of their drawings were renderings. And I'm like, oh. they either got a bunch of clients to pay them that never got built, or they just are a talented, cool designer that just made these up. And guess what? When someone was looking for a super cool house and they came and they saw all this and they saw all the potential and they saw that the person, you know, they talked to them like, oh, you know how to construct this too? Oh, you've done something similar, but I can see through your concept designs that you can make what I want. Then they made a super cool house. Now they're doing probably what they wanted. But it wasn't all built work. It wasn't all built work. Right. You don't have to do built work. Right. Yeah. Right. How do you think firms hire you? From your built work? Exactly. <laughs> no. I mean, some of them do, but right out of the gate, no. Right? Yeah. No. You're, it's all rendering. It's all hypothetical stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. F9 Productions name is from the hotkey. Literally, for, uh, I just I just had a client that for was rendering the same client I met with yesterday, a potential client. What tell me about F? Why why F nine? Told yep. them they loved it. It's like an endearing story at this point. Um, what how would what Max three D three D S Max three D S Max? I'll dyslexic Yeah. What would <laughs> what would you say? So that's how you can become quote unquote famous, right? I mean. And there's all kinds of levels of it, right? Like, I don't know. It all depends on how famous you want to get. And understand that, like, again, this is a double-edged sword. Maybe you maybe you don't want to be famous. No. Um, it does help, though. Just, like, I'm looking behind Alex right now as we're sitting here talking, and I'm seeing books and magazines and awards on our little mantle above a fireplace in the office. 
And uh, and to me, it's not about like uh, getting attention and having people like ask for autographs or something weird like that. <laughs> yeah. No, not that anybody does. I'm not saying they have. No, no, no. But I'm just saying like when when I was in New York, like there's so many good firms in New York, and I talked to my friends that aren't ar- architects. I'm like, oh, you guys have no idea or don't even care who these people are. Exactly. You don't even care. Doesn't matter. The layperson. Yeah. Exactly. They they don't. They don't. Yeah. Right. Um, but I but but when you bring a, cl- a client into your office and you can point to books and you can bring them bring them out and show all these accolades and everything it just it the integrity it gives you gives you the confidence gonna it's gonna give them looking at you and knowing that they're hiring a a professional is worth it Uh, what would you say to someone who says hey i've been doing renderings i've been doing design competitions i've been doing whatever hasn't worked out oh and that they haven't got picked up by something yep they well, I would, I would. It would be a question. It would be: Have you, have you put your have have, is what you're doing timely to the news cycle? That's what's also really critical. So, like, just think think about it at a fundamental level. If your local newspaper is, uh, they have they offer they you can write letters to the editor. Everybody can do it. Yep. You'll see if you go to like how you submit letters to the editor. They want you to submit things that are timely with their news cycle, and so so much so that they want to see you like cite. The previous article that you're writing to you're literally writing back and forth so the same thing for like when we did the doomsday houses right yep. 2012 t- 2012 the t- world t- ended timely with the cycle amazon H- HQ, hq2 timely with the cycle um so that would be my first thing is like are you doing things that are timely with the news cycle because obviously people who's ever going to pick you up whether it's a book or a magazine or some or online blog i don't care they know that like they're going to get the most traffic to their website or whatever they're doing and most interest if it's timely. So that'd be the first thing I would ask. Yep. I, I got two. One, you might not be that good, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and you need to evaluate how good you are uh, or have some self-reflection. You might never have it, right? Or you could just not be that good, right? Or let's say you are good. Then I would say two things. <clears throat> One, um, Keep doing it if you are good or not good to get more practice. That's number one, right? But two, only do the projects that you would happily do even if you don't win. Only do the designs. Only do the competitions that even if you do not win, you'd be like, I am so glad. I had so much fun. I loved it. It was cool. I wanted to do that anyways. So then it's not a lose situation. And then that way you can actually do the stuff that you love and it'll show through in your projects and then maybe you'll do even better. But even if you don't, some of these Guggenheim competitions or whatever, there's 10,000 people. What are the it's one in 10,000 literally that, that you're going to win? So that's the, that's the advice I'd give for that. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. What is, wasn't there something, a second part of that or no? The first is keep doing it because you might yeah, suck, yeah. but then you'll improve. And the second was only do the ones that you do even if you lose what would you tell a person when they say it's hard it's hard enough just to find the projects just to find the projects is isn't there something isn't there a red flag there uh, to me that's a red flag of a question because i go is it that hard to find yes yes it's a challenge to get hired i i don't agree i don't disagree there and and by all means we hit slow points at this firm and we get alex and i get a little nervous and we go holy crap is work slowing down like are we hitting the next recession like what's going on but at, but i don't think it's like it's this insurmountable thing so it, what are you doing wrong if that's your sentiment of it's just it's just hard enough to find clients um 
in this economy, it shouldn't be that hard. But two, it could be hard if that is not your natural ability or even if, if you can't do it. So someone tells me to do statistics, I'm just going to walk out of the room. I'm going to look at you blankly, throw an imaginary book down and walk out of the room. Some people might not have the ability to sell. So when they say, you could say, Al, it's so easy. The economy is great, blah, blah, blah. And they could give all these excuses, whatever. You know, you might not have the ability to sell just like I'm not going to do statistics ever. <laughs> not going to do it. You tried it for a week or two, didn't you? And then, you, and then no more in that class? I, no, I tried it the whole, whole semester. Oh, my God. <laughs> and day trip the whole oh time. The whole time. Every time I'm like, I will focus I will listen to this professor. <laughs> I'm, I'm a dedicated person. I was in the army. I can sit here yeah, and listen yeah. and write stuff notes. together. I agree. I'll, yep. He's Boop. Gone. Not, not there. Gone. Yeah. So don't you, honestly, if that's you, so that's, that's maybe, part you, of it. maybe you do need to work in a firm. You know what and I, that's fine. What's yeah. wrong with that? You know what I thought was, here's what the, it made me think. It made me think, I don't know if that's the right question as it relates to how did famous architects become famous? Because it, that, that's where this question is. It's like the second part of the question. So what I want to, what I, what I would bring up, what it made me think is like, here's here's the the real psychology behind when you get a client. Let's say you got ten clients, right? Understand that maybe nine out of ten of those clients, it might just be a what I would call a run of the mill project. Yeah. It's just a, you know, aver- it's like. A, pretty traditional looking for whatever kind of architecture, whatever whatever house you're doing, it's going to match the house, right? Um, or even if it's a new house and they're like, yeah, I just, I'm look, I'm on, I'm on a budget and I, you know, I have an economy and like, yes, I want, I want a good floor plan, but like, I'm not going for, you know, I'm not going, I'm not, I don't want my house to be the one they look at in Denver and go, this is, this is the jazz house, right? Yeah. One out of those 10 clients, if you, if you can get comfortable with that and understand that maybe nine out of 10, are not going to these that nine out of ten clients that I get are not going to push me in the direction that leads leads me to be able to do really cool architecture that is award winning and then thus makes me famous because that's how it works for us. So it seems like I get on my side of the firm, you too, one like one or two projects that are client, real clients they're paying and everything. These aren't just our this isn't just our made up work. Where they push me in that direction and they say, like, I want, the, I'm, I'm going for timeless cool. architecture. I'm yep. going for cool architecture. And then you capitalize on those ones. But don't force, don't try to force that one on the rest of the nine. That one is separate from, from the rest of the nine. And you can only force that or hold that line if you can afford to do it. If you can afford to do it. And comfortable. I'm not, you know, I'm not, that's another thing too. Are you comfortable? Yeah, being a, yeah. If you want to do it, then you'd be comfortable. If you can afford to do it, and that's where you know some oh you know rich person with connections or whatever, or you just have really low overhead and you don't you know whatever. I don't know how how you're doing. If you can afford to do it, fine. But it but if you can't, you know, think about those nine out of ten. That's your practice. That's your piano practice. Doesn't sound that good. It's blah 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 blah. And then your one. It's recital. Con- it's concert time. Goes, it's recital time. Goes apart yep. into your album, and your album is your display. That's a perfect analogy. And then the rest of it is practice. The rest of it is practice. And you, you still ate well the whole time, hopefully, if you're doing all the other stuff we already talked yeah. about. They call Lance so. Chicken me steak. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but he's well done steak. He's not medium rare like he should be. Ah. Anyway, so, uh, so uh, on the famous note, 
Um, you also might not want to be famous. You also might not want to ever be the guy who has a headline like the following. Boulder man fails to pay undocumented workers, then threatens them, police say. Uh, so a, this is an actual article that I'm reading from one of our local papers. Um, and this is, a, this is a former client. We've talked about this former client before on the podcast. And here's where I think you got to be careful about wanting to get famous, right? This guy, I can't imagine anybody's going to work with him anymore. At least I hope not. And I'm not going to name names. You can go look at it if you want to. Um, it's not, yeah, it's not even It doesn't it. even matter. But this guy, this guy was a former client of ours. And I, I want to talk about how to avoid problems like this. How to avoid literally, literally craziness. I mean, just like we're like, wow, there's no logic behind this person. I think there's a bunch of red flags uh, that you can that you can notice, right? Um, one of the big red flags that occurred to us on this project was <clears throat> right away, and I think it, it, this seems to happen to us um, at least once a year. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure it's unavoidable for other people either, but like, but clients building illegally, clients coming in and then letting it slip that oh by the way i poured footers last week oh you don't even have a permit that should be i think it's maybe okay to give them one shot maybe okay to give them one shot uh and say please don't do that again if they do it again don't there's no second shot there's no there's no third shot sorry there's no fourth shot you're done you write a termination letter and walk away from this client entirely the other one is if a check bounces, I think it's okay to give them a second shot. If it happens a third time, you're done. Because that's exactly what happened with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walk away. Do you have any red flags where you're just like, I'm done. I'm done with this. Oh, the email one. How about this? Like the, the 90. Oh, the one where I spotted it. And I should have walked away. Yeah. And luckily, by the grace of the universe, yeah, it, it, we didn't get the project. And, and this was, you know... Um, it was just in negotiations of a of a contract just got way too crazy. And the other thing too is if, if they're trying to nail down your fee too much, uh, you mean push it down, push it down, push it down, push it down, and push like it down drastically too. So let's just throw out a figure, right? I think there's a I think if you throw out a let's say you're going to charge somebody twenty thousand dollars to do whatever. Yep. And they said, oh man, I was thinking half of that. Um. That's a mini. That's a yellow flag in my world, right? I, I mean, I don't know how you're ever going to be able to ratchet them up that far, right? Yeah. It, well, the other thing too, if it just seems from my experience that the more that they push to to ratchet it down, the more actually hand holding they need. So like, it's like, mm, it should probably go up. It should probably go up. So that's just my thought. Yeah. Watch out for red flags. I mean, those are obvious ones. And, you know, there's people make mistakes. We've had, we've had, see, this, that's the thing is we've, we've had other clients where they've respected it and they were, we've, we've went and seen them maybe, maybe building, uh, they shouldn't be doing something on the job site. And we go, please don't do that. They respect it and we're good. Uh, there's other ones too where it's been a bounce check and we, and it, it was literally an honest mistake, you know? And there's some totally uh, makes happen. Everybody, it happens to everybody. Heck, I think we did that once, like a check bounce or something like that for something. I can't remember. Sure, I, I think so. But there might be contractors or developers that are new too, and they're doing mistakes. You might be doing it. And then, you know, like you see that, it might not be a red flag. It just might be they don't know better. Well, that's more of, okay, a yellow flag, maybe I should watch more rather than a red flag. you agree with that? I would agree with that. Yep. 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 
Cool. Should we go to, should we talk to our best friend and see what he has to say? What is he up to? You know what? He is building like crazy right now. I know. Follow if you Dig want, Facebook. Dig on the Facebook. Uh, and then if you go to his Instagram, um, and then he feeds it through LinkedIn. And I've been checking out Nick's, all of Nick, Nicholas Renard's uh, work on LinkedIn. Yeah. His yeah. firm okay. is Dig Architecture. Yep. So if you dig it, you know, dig, dig it. Dig him. Dig him. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, best friends. I hope you all had a great week this week. A reading. Imagination is undoubtedly our most human capacity. Through imagination, we can occupy places and spaces on the opposite side of the globe. Or visit houses that have no material existence at all. Besides the artistic reality of any work of art, architecture included, takes place altogether in the realm of the mind. Without this imaginative reality, a painting is just paint on canvas, a sculpture, a piece of carved stone or cast metal, and a building, merely a man-made construction. Juhani Plasma from Houses 2, the work of Tom Kundig. A question. Who wins in an arm wrestling contest? Al or Lance? Toodles. All right. So do push-ups have anything to do with arm wrestling? Al Is be- it a different muscle? Al would beat me right now. He works out. I'd, I... I just don't. I just don't. Well, if it is any relate, if the muscles are the same for push-ups and arm wrestling, I win hands down. Yeah. If somehow by physics or not, I still win. There you go. <laughs> There's the answer. Yeah, that was an easy one. Yeah. Uh, Tom Kundig, man, do they do cool stuff? Oh, they're so I awesome. feel like the, I feel like we have done some Kundigish stuff with the uh, transforming tiny transforming homes. stuff. If you don't know who, who Kundig is, you should Kundig and Olson. Check them out because they do. They are they're ma- in my world. They're master builders too because they're they're doing all of this movable architecture. It's incredible, and they and and they do. They fundamentally do what I think a lot the, the best rock star architecture does is three materials. Three materials: yep. stone, glass, wood. We're done. Yep. Stone, glass, wood. We're done. Um, th- this links back to what we were talking about because I would say one: imagine your dream project and do it. Imagine right now, if you, if there's any takeaway from this podcast, write down and start to imagine your dream project and start to execute it. Step two, which if we are, even if you just write it down, there's something about the butterfly effect that'll happen. Yep. Step two, see if you can apply some sort of feedback to it. Meaning let's say it's a house. See if you could get someone to critique it or something, you know, later. Right. And it might be just your mom, right. Or your grandma. So it might not be the best, but Maybe you can find someone more real, meaning, okay, real estate agent, look up the real estate agents that sell the houses that are in that price range, in that style that you want. Get feedback from them. So then maybe they know someone that's looking for land and they want a house like that. Who's going to come top to mind, right? I'm thinking about our, our skyscraper ones, right? Because let's say you want to go totally crazy. So we've, we've done a couple of skyscrapers. If we were smart or had the time or whatever, I would meet. I would find out who develops those crazy cool skyscrapers. Try to meet with them. Just go talk to them. Yeah, it can't hurt. That agent uh, advice. That was pretty good. I like that. What? Sorry. If you're going to design really cool houses, 
right? Design them and then go to, go find the agents that sell those really cool yep. houses and see what they think. Because guess what? They know a lot about layout. They know a lot about what sells. They know a lot about what good images are. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nice. I like that. I like my own advice. I know. He, can, I like, he, can I put a thumbs up on that? He always likes his own advice. <laughs> yeah. If he could self-react, he would. He does. He, high five. He, he pats himself on the back. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, man, yeah. Who, who would okay? Who would win on an arm wrestling? You or Nick? Ooh, does Nick do actual work on the construction site? Just guess. No, then I don't. <laughs> I actually don't know if he does. Uh, I'm sure he does. Probably like the same level of, that I do right now. Okay, it's yeah. Ty with Ty going to me. There you go. <laughs> you got okay. it. Well, let's bring in the boys. We have a new addition. We have Jackson. We're going to do ARE Jeopardy. So let's hit it. All right. Question one. What does the abbreviation PSL in reference to structural composite lumber stand for? A, primary structural lumber. B, parallel strand laminate. C, primary structural laminate. D, Parallel strand lumber. A, primary structural lumber. B, parallel strand laminate. C, primary structural laminate. D, parallel strand lumber. A lot of similar words in that one, guys. All right, all right. Hold it up, hold it up. What do we got? We got D, B, B. So D is the correct answer. So that one was... Parallel strand lumber. Who got it right? These three. These three. Yep. Um, Question two. What foundation material has the lowest bearing pressure? Okay. What foundation material has the lowest bearing pressure? A, bedrock. B, clay. C, sand. D, folated rock. And I'd like to clarify the question. I think it should be what foundation material has the lowest allowable bearing pressure. Sure. I'll buy, I'll allow it. You see? Okay. A, bedrock. B, clay. C, sand. D, folated rock. What do we got, boys? C, 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 A. The answer is B, clay. <laughs> people, people put A? Who said, who said A? he said that person misinterpreted the question okay (laughs) so still nobody got that right no one got it right. hilarious all right see see i could i would have said c but i looked it up it's in the code it's clay probably because it moves and sand sand isn't technically sand i don't think you know like like beach sand it's not like beach sand yeah all right number three what is a rejected material whose quality is too low to be used known as A, non-compliant, B, calls, C, rejected materials, D, not good boy? I repeat it. What is a rejected material whose quality is too low to be used known as A, non-compliant, B, calls, C, rejected materials, D, not good boy? We have A, C, B, and A. The correct answer is B. Calls. How did you know that? <laughs> he, if you didn't hear that, he didn't. Great guess. 
C U L L S. The guessing be with you. Yeah. Is that how it's spelled? Because that's how I spell it. C U L L S. Yep. Yep. Calls. You call, call it. You call yeah. it. Yep. You reject them from life. <sighs> All right. So we. So we got Jason's ahead by one. Jason's in the lead. All right. Number four. What is ceramic tile, which has been made completely resistant to penetration by water as a result of vitrification known as? A, vitrified tile. B, impervious tile. C, waterproof tile. D, impermeable tile. I will repeat it. What is ceramic tile, which has been completely resistant to penetration by water as a result of vitrification known as? A, vitrified tile. B, impervious tile. C, waterproof tile. D, impermeable tile. We have D, D, J, uh, four, uh, A, A. <laughs> and A. The correct answer is A. Jason wins. Jason wins. Congratulations. Congratulations. Al, any so, parting wisdom? Yes. Uh, please go to Enscape3D.com and get one of your projects in there. Also go to BIMSmith.com and build some cool walls. And also, if you see me, high-five me. I feel like that's cool. Yeah. Uh, it, also, last one, RevitRocketShip.com. If you want to learn Revit, do that and get our book, The Creativity Code. And you know what? You'll get a free copy of the PDF of the Creativity Code if you just leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, it helps with our rankings. Even if you give us a four-star, I will still give you a PDF. But if you're going to give us a four-star, just put five stars right on top of that, and we will see you next week.